Hello, I'm Donald Johannesson, and thanks for joining me on Speaking Out. Thanks for joining me for this reconciliation program. You'll hear from Tom Kelmer and Karen Minden from Reconciliation Australia. But first, let's go back to the year 2003. And Karen Durante was joined by Dr Bill Jonas, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner at the Human Rights and Equal Opportunity Commission. Does Professor John Altman's research add weight to what you've been saying are the shortcomings of practical reconciliation that we need to consider the social, cultural and spiritual needs along with health, education and jobs of Aboriginal people? Yes, I think it does. I've been critical of um, practical reconciliation for two main reasons. One is that I don't think that, that, that the policies of putting money into particular areas to try and overcome some of the disadvantages which Aboriginal people um, face in those areas is reconciliation anyway. I think that that's what government should be doing. That, that They're they, an inherent right as being... Absolutely, a, mm. and I think they should be doing it in the name of, of Australia not hanging its head in shame rather than in the name of reconciliation. But I know right from those early days and all the way along what reconciliation was about was bringing two groups of people together, bringing Indigenous Australia and non-Indigenous Australia together in sort of mutual respect with a shared understanding of the past and a commitment to a future where everybody is treated equally. Well, what this practical reconciliation is about is not about that at all, because if you're going to be doing that properly, you've got to be acknowledging truthfully the past, you've got to be finishing off unfinished business, you've got to be respecting cultural differences, you've got to allow people to exercise their rights. Overcoming disadvantage is just a small part of that, and it's something that should be done whether you're talking about reconciliation or not. So I've been critical of practical reconciliation from that point of view. But the other thing is this, that work that they've done at the ANU that Professor John Altman and his, his staff have done um, shows that even in terms of overcoming disadvantage, this approach, which is called a practical reconciliation, doesn't appear to be making Indigenous people better off relative to the rest of the population. Those figures that he's been talking about show that relative to the rest of the population, or if you want to put another way, the gap between Indigenous Australia and the rest of Australia has actually widened in those figures that he's talking about, exactly those areas where the government has been putting money in in the name of practical reconciliation, relatively, things have actually got worse. So money doesn't necessarily fix up, address the gap? Well, for one thing, you're talking about the oldest living culture in the world, so you can't just say, well, it's all to do with practical things and dismiss anything else which might be symbolic. You, 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 You can't have a culture that lives and is as rich as Aboriginal culture, and not play a great deal of importance to things which are symbolic. And things which the government also says are just mere symbolism just have to be those things like native title, relationship to land, customary law, and a whole host of other things which under this practical reconciliation don't come into consideration. And also what practical reconciliation doesn't do is take history into account and doesn't take into account the fact that A lot of the reasons for Indigenous disadvantage in this country are based in history. You know, they're the result of policies that occurred in the past. The removal of children from their parents, leaving people to grow up with no parenting skills themselves. Poor health, 
unemployment. All of those things are all interrelated and they're also historically influenced. If the government doesn't change its tune, if you like, what's the likely outcome? Well, uh, things will only get much, much worse for Aboriginal people. Um, I, there, there is undoubtedly a crisis in many Aboriginal communities and there are a lot of things which are coming together now which in a very short period of time will, will make things really disastrous. And that's related to the fact that the demographic structure of the Aboriginal population means that we've got a lot of young people who will be coming soon into the workforce. They won't be able to get jobs. We're going to have a, an even worse unemployment problem that we've got now. We'll have worse health problems. We will just see the situation of Aboriginal people actually getting worse as as Australia in general enjoys, um, as it has for the last five years, period of, of economic growth. Indigenous people won't be sharing in that growth. Indigenous people will be being made worse off. Mm. And if governments, if governments don't also explain to the general population why resources must be committed to overcoming disadvantage, why this must be done, if governments don't explain that to people, we'll also get resentment of Aboriginal people. You know, the old blame the victim syndrome. Is the problem, though, with the, reconcil- the with, with reconciliation process getting off track a political one for you, uh, one to be blamed purely on the Howard government, or is it broader, as argued by uh, academics like Richard Mulgan in 1996 and later by Dr Will Sanders in 2002, that is, the inability of Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal to share a common perspective on Australia's colonial history. I guess one only has to look at the controversy surrounding some of the exhibits at the National Museum of Australia and the history wars between people like Windshuttle and, and Reynolds. Yeah, it's all, it's all part and parcel of the whole um, environment in which we live at the moment. Um, and and I, I don't know if you know it, but I'm actually a former director of the National Museum. Of yes, Australia I knew that. Well. Yes. Um, so I keep an eye on what's happening there. But those, we, you know, um, we see those conservative uh, newspaper opinion writers who call themselves the warriors of the right. And uh, anyone who speaks out is regarded as being an activist and you can't trust activists and all of that sort of thing. I think that... Um, it had the, the the decision to to uh, I think the proper word that I would use is actually sideline indigenous issues. I think that indigenous issues and indigenous problems have been sidelined, and I think that that's been deliberate. Deliberate? What for? What? Why? Though? What would be the you know motive behind it though? Because it um, because it wins people's votes. Um, you, you know, you had um, the One Nation Party which at one stage had about, I think, a million voters. And you remember they were saying all things like um, Aboriginal people get too much and Aboriginal people shouldn't get this and Aboriginal people shouldn't get that. We're all Australians. We should all be treated the same, that sort of thing. Um, And I just think that, that there were political decisions taken to keep that quiet, keep a lid on that, put it on the back page rather than the front page of the newspaper. And that's why a lot of things, including the reconciliation process, have just slipped off the agenda. I think it's terribly important that we do get it back on the agenda. I think it's terribly important that we don't fall into that trap of thinking that treating everybody the same means that you're treating people equally. Because when people are starting from a different base, if you treat them the same, 
you just entrench the disadvantages, you just entrench the inequality. Dr Bill Jonas, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner at the Human Rights and Equal Opportunity Commission from the year 2003, joined by Karen Durante. The Speaking Out website is abc.net.au slash speaking out or just search for ABC Speaking Out. I'm Donald Johannesson and you're listening to a special reconciliation program as we look back at a selection of stories from the last quarter of a century on the Speaking Out program. In the year 2009, Rihanna Patrick was joined by Karen Minden from Reconciliation Australia on the launch of a new campaign, See the Person, Not the Stereotype. Here's a hypothetical for you. You're walking through the inner city suburb of Redfern in Sydney. It's late and you're alone. You see a group of young Aboriginal men walking towards you on the footpath. Do you cross the road to avoid them or do you keep walking? And if this were a group of young white men, would you have had the same thoughts? Reconciliation Week starts on Wednesday and it's this jumping to conclusions that Reconciliation Australia wants to change. See the Person, Not the Stereotype is a confronting campaign and I caught up with Karen Mundine from Reconciliation Australia to find out more. What's the thinking behind seeing the person and not the stereotype? Well, last year, Reconciliation Australia undertook a national Australian reconciliation barometer, so a research project. One of the things that we found was missing in research is that we knew lots of things about statistics in terms of health and education and those kind of things, but what we don't know and what we didn't understand was the relationship between Indigenous Australians and non-Indigenous Australians. So what do we think about each other? What's our attitudes to each other? And what's the things that sit behind that, why we believe these things about each other? So that's what the barometer was about. And what the barometer showed us was that there were some clear misunderstandings between who we are and who we think we are, both from Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. One of the really interesting things was, and it's not that surprising, but there's a lot of non-Indigenous Australians out there who would like to know more and would like to meet more people, but they just don't have those kind of opportunities. So we started thinking about what are things that we can do to kind of open that up to people. And of course, when we start thinking about relationships, we also have to go back to what are the stumbling blocks? Why aren't people connecting? And one of the things that we found out is we have a lot of stereotypes about each other. Tell me about the campaign. People might have seen the poster campaign that's been running around uh, Sydney in particular, but it has a non-Indigenous person and an Indigenous person. And then it asks questions like, which one of these people are in a gang? Or which one of these people are a drunk? Things that people may not think that they take in with them when they're thinking about Indigenous people and and that perception. I understand that it will also be part of the television campaign as well. So people will see this rolling out from next week. Yep, we've got uh, posters, so large billboards. We've got ads in bus shelters and also on, on television. What we wanted to do was to really confront people about what they think they know and also confront them about their own inherent stereotypes and racism, really, what it comes down to. So, as you said, we've got two faces, a non-Indigenous and an Indigenous face, with a kind of startling headline. So those things like, which of these people are in a gang? Who would you trust with your children? Who would you like to work with? Uh, And the tagline to it is, we're hoping you couldn't answer that. Because at the end of the day, it's just two faces. There's nothing except for the colour of their skin that makes them different. So it's really trying to push that envelope a little bit. We've had some good feedback. People who are actually on side and thought that they actually had a pretty good handle on this kind of stuff were actually shocked by the way they automatically went to a face 
of making a judgment and the whole point of the campaign is not to make the judgment. Get to know the person first. Was it hard finding people to put their faces to slogans like that? Yes and no. So all of the people we used in the advertising are real people with real stories. And if you go to the website, um, reconciliation.org.au, it's got the people's back stories on it. Some of them were, I guess it was more about finding the right story, but once we explained what we were trying to do and how we wanted to tell people's stories in a big stage, people were very happy to participate. Have you had any feedback from those people who've appeared in the poster campaign and the TV ads? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, particularly when people see themselves on, you know, walking down George Street and there's a big poster of their face. Uh, another one which we had on Parramatta Road, which was a really big billboard. Um, yeah, no, they've loved it. They've, they've been really proud to be part of the campaign, which for us that's really important, that the people we deal with are treated respectfully because that's also our relationship with them. This is also a campaign where Reconciliation Australia linked in partnership with an advertising agency who did this work pro bono. Can you tell me a little bit about that partnership? Uh, so we worked with Saatchi and Saatchi, who's a, a major advertising uh, agency here in Sydney. I guess what we were doing is using the principles of advertising. I mean, we all see advertising everywhere and it obviously works because otherwise multi-million dollars wouldn't be spent in the in the area, uh, using the same kind of principles of how you sell an idea or a concept and applying it to the concept of reconciliation. <clears throat> One of the things that we're really trying to do is to reach a bigger and broader audience. If, if we're really truly on about reconciling this country, then we have to speak to a whole heap of people that we wouldn't ordinarily speak to. So it's the people that aren't necessarily coming to survival day concerts, the people that aren't reading or watching, listening to this show necessarily. But they are people that catch buses, they are people that watch television. Um, so we needed a way to get to them and this campaign was that sort of confronting place. You mentioned the barometer, which people can access through the Reconciliation Australia website, which asks a number of different questions, and it's about getting the honest opinion of what you think. It happens every two years. Can you tell me what it's been like since we said sorry and since the apology was made last year in terms of people accessing what Reconciliation Australia does and getting involved in this barometer? What we saw after the uh, apology was that we had this massive groundswell of people who suddenly became interested again in reconciliation and wanted action. I mean, that, that was really important. It was, we want more than just words. We want to see change. We want to see difference. And that was something that came across to us very clearly and something that we needed to harness and, and get a hold of. So our barometer was actually taken just after the apology. Uh, and again, in the findings, we saw that people want to do things, people want to know more, and they also think that Indigenous culture, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture and issues are important to the nation and to our identity as Australians. What the barometer then also showed us is that there's this gap in knowledge, so people want to know more, but they don't know how to go about it. So part of it was this campaign, part of it was going to our website and having more information putting people in touch with you know, some of the great work that's going out there in community education, with art and cultural centres across the country. What are the challenges still facing reconciliation and where it's going in this country? Well, one of the clear things that again came out of the barometer is we have a lack of trust and that's on both sides. From my point of view, I think when we don't know about each other, then of course we don't trust each other because you know, I don't know, if I don't know you, then I'm not going to trust you. That's a really hard one to get over because there's lots of reasons why we don't have trust on either side. And some of it's legitimate, 
some of it's just based on stereotypes and not knowing. So that's going to be a really hard one. But we're chipping away, we're doing things. And as I said, the, the positive momentum that came out after the apology gives us hope. Reconciliation Week is from the 27th of May until the 3rd of June. And if people want to find out what's happening in their state or territory, how can they find out more? Go to our website, reconciliation.org.au. You can find events happening all over the country and you can register your own events as well. We've also got some ideas of things that you might be able to do, posters to download, all sorts of bits and pieces, fact sheets, that kind of thing. That's Karen Mundine from Reconciliation Australia talking about this year's Reconciliation Week theme, which is see the person, not the stereotype. Your children's favourites are all in one place. The ABC Shop. Welcome to the Wiggle House. From the Wiggles, T-shirts, dominoes and an adorable Emma doll. Fireman Sam fans will love this cosy quilt cover and handy hooded towel. There you go, Mandy. Safe and sound. Bing Things, a great range of toys from the beloved bunny. Yup, I'm all good up now. <laughs> and fun reads with these big books from Play School. Hooray! New fun for little ones at the ABC Shop. I'm Donald Johannesson and thanks for joining me on ABC Local Radio for this special reconciliation program featuring a selection of interviews over the last 25 years on Speaking Out. Dr Tom Kelmer is the current co-chair of Reconciliation Australia and he was joined by Speaking Out's Kerry Lee Harding and she started off by asking him what does reconciliation mean to him? Well look, uh, to me personally I think it's a very important move and we've seen some great reconciliation movements around the world um, you know, from Canada and, recogn- and reconciling with the Indigenous peoples to the work that uh, South Africa did uh, and they're all different sort of Recon, uh, reconciliation movements. Uh, for me in Australia, it's about you know the general population understanding more about us as blackfellas and uh, and to understand that we were here before uh, Europeans arrived for for you know tens of thousands of years beforehand. We still maintain our culture. We are a, a unique people, but we're a people of many different nations uh, within the nation. And so um, it's really about sharing that and helping people understand and therefore gain a respect because one of the big problems is that, you know, for the majority of uh, non-Indigenous Australians, they've not met an Indigenous person and their knowledge has been developed by what they, um, you know, gain from mainstream media or newspapers. And so it's about how do we put the real story out there, the story about us by us, as you do in... In, in your program and, and the Koori radios and TVs and so forth too. It's about putting our picture out there. So it's about how does mainstream Australia reconcile with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, the First Peoples? Tom, you've been involved in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander affairs in this country at a local level, community, state, national and international for some 40 years. What are some of your earliest memories of the reconciliation movement in this country? Well, I think long before it was um, known as Reconciliation Week, um, you know, um, going back to the time when when the nation came together, and I was only a young fellow then in, in the 1967 referendum, um, you know, when, when we got... The, you know, the majority of Australians in the referendum voted to, to uh, support, um, you know, the, the government, the Commonwealth government, getting more involved in... Aboriginal affairs, and so that was really one of the big reconciliation movements. Um, but I know that during NAIDOC week is a, is a great example of reconciliation, where 
you know, started off with us as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people um, trying to educate the community to now we see a lot of non-Indigenous Australians walking with us um, during NAIDOC week and sharing the celebration with us. And so that, that's what reconciliation is about. I was very lucky growing up in Darwin um, because we were a very, very multicultural um, community up there. So because we've got a very high Aboriginal population uh, compared to the general population, um, you know, it's a different uh, relationship. And so through the sporting, uh, through the business, um, through schooling, you know, we were, uh, we've worked together. And so, um, yeah, that's really what we're, what, what reconciliation is about, is about sharing and understanding our knowledges. I'm Kerry Lee Harding, and you're listening to Speaking Out on ABC Local Radio. And I'm with Dr. Tom Kalmer, current co-chair of Reconciliation Australia. And reconciliation is something that has been happening for many years now. And would it be fair for me to say that we could actually go back to the 1930s where we did see reconciliation in action from some of our past Aboriginal elders? We had many great elders, Tom, uh, who walked before us, including Sir Pastor Douglas Nichols, whom along with Jack Patton in the early days, and William Ferguson, Pastor Douglas Nichols, along with uh, Pearl Gibbs, uh, they all attended the day of mourning protest uh, on January 26, 1938. They did. And that's the struggle that we've been around for a long time, and that's the sort of information we want to share with people. I think the, 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 the difference is that in those days, we were walking alone, and um, we had more people um, you know, challenging us than we did in um, people who, who walk with us, and that's the, the significant difference, uh, excuse me, and that's the significant difference to where we are today, where we're able to, um, uh, to share the, the journey with a whole lot of people, and, and people are interested to learn about us. And you know, um, we can we can see a lot of our history has been, you know, um, not always good in relation to reconciliation. We know that, um, you know, our service men and women who went overseas and and they fought beside each other, they came back to Australia and they weren't given fair treatment. And so that was a real big issue that we have to contend with. And that that was sort of almost anti-reconciliation, but we're now, where we're walking together, we're recognising and respecting. And they're the two big words, is to recognise and respect. And that's what uh, the general population is is getting behind in, in understanding more and more about us. And from the times we walked across the bridge um, in 2000, uh, we walked together to, you know, how we all stood together and heard the apology together and... Um, educated the community, which was really a massive uh, reconciliation effort um, for the community to understand who we were and and um, what we did um, in the past and how we've lived and, and the atrocities that have been levelled on us as a people. And and too often, the you know, governments hid a lot of this and so the general population didn't understand. And, and you can understand that because we didn't have the television that we do have now, which can give instant coverage. And so as we, the, we become more media savvy and people are getting more access, it's also opening a lot of doors which are helping out in, in the reconciliation movement. And we just urge you know, some of the mainstream media to start to get behind and, and celebrate the successes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people instead of always taking that negative approach to highlighting the failures of a few Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, not the majority of us, a few of us. And, you know, and I think we're winning that battle. 
And Tom, you're the current co-chair of Reconciliation Australia. Can you tell us about your role and what you actually do there? Oh, look, it, yeah, it's, it's an honorary role um, and um, we get a very small um, uh, consideration for the role, for the extra work that we do the, as co-chairs. Um, but by and large, it's, um, it's a voluntary role, as, as are the board. And so as co-chairs, um, our prime responsibility is to... Um, control the governance of, of Reconciliation Australia and um, and also be involved in, in one of our um, associated activities and that's the Recognise campaign. And um, my my co-chair, Melinda Salento, uh, takes that responsibility with uh, in looking after the Recognise campaign with, with the two co-directors of um, uh, the campaign managers in in Tanya Nosh, uh, Tanya Hosh, and um, and Tim. So, so it's um, you know they're important activities, but but we also provide that level of guidance uh, to the CEO, who in turn passes it on to staff. So, so uh, we look at the big picture stuff as a governance organisation and uh, and committee, and um, and the CEO of the organisation, he puts our wishes into action, and um, and uh, through through the staff. So we've got a very very good dedicated uh, staff with Reconciliation Australia and uh, we have had over many years some very dedicated staff who who don't get paid a lot but um, they do it because they love the job that they're doing and they know they're making a difference. There are now many companies and organisations and community groups right across Australia who've been taking the lead. They've created their own wraps. For those of us who may not know what a wrap is, could you explain that for us, please, Tom? A wrap is it's a reconciliation action plan. But they're, they're a, a plan that the organisation uh, develops with RA staff, but it really belongs to the organisation. And they have some very clear ideas about what they want to do to progress reconciliation and so the, the the reconciliation action plan really does put the discipline behind their ideas so that everybody in the organization knows and understands what the organization ethos is and how they're going to uh, get involved in reconciliation so it, it takes many different forms some of it is where where um, organizations um, you know employ Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people um, they might engage uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander businesses to to procure goods off them um, or services. Uh, they might do a workplace um, giving program which helps develop scholarships. Money that they collect goes towards scholarships or other projects. So it can take take many of these forms, but it also helps them to know that okay, they want to. Um, Welcome, do welcome to country and acknowledge that they're on the land of, of an Aboriginal tribal group um, wherever they are across the nation to, to um, uh, celebrating NAIDOC week, National Reconciliation Week, uh, Close the Gap Day, all of these significant events for um, Aboriginal trusted on the people and reconciliation, um, we get behind it. And that's the importance of, of this current period that we're in. Uh, which is National Reconciliation Week, and so so many of our organisations, and we've got over five, close to 590, just over 590 uh, organisations have reconciliation action plans, and probably another 500 are in development. So they're a very significant um, body of work around the nation, and I really applaud those people who get involved. And you know what's important, and we we really drive this home to organisations, that this is not a you know a blackfella 
plan. This is an organisational plan that works with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in a, in a respectful way. And so the organisation runs it and we as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we provide advice on how, how that reconciliation action plan goes. But they're generally led by the most senior people in the organisation who want to get behind it. And that's great because it changes, it changes the attitudes of people working within those organisations. They become much more informed about, about uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander affairs. You know, they, they get to know that if you want to get good news, um, listen to an Aboriginal broadcaster or, you know, a mainstream broadcaster that talks and has, um, uh, you know, uh, commentators and, and uh, presenters from an Aboriginal perspective. You know, the NITVs, the Karmas, these sort of groups, um, you know, uh, are really important to get a, uh, a perspective of Aboriginal affairs that you won't get through through generally mainstream reporting. So, you know, that, that's what Reconciliation Action Plans are about. Dr Tom Kelmer, the current co-chair of Reconciliation Australia, joined by Speaking Out's Kerry Lee Harding. Well, that's it for our reconciliation program. You can find Speaking Out interviews at abc.net.au slash speakingout or like us at facebook.com slash abcspeakingout or even check out our YouTube page. Just type in ABC Speaking Out. I'm Donald Johannesson and thanks for joining me on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio and Radio Australia. Radio Australia.